TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. And joining us right now is Dr. Hiram Patel. Chief Medical Officer at United Healthcare, providing insights on how parents can facilitate necessary conversations with their kids about mental health and mental wellness. Dr. Patel, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, I'm doing great. Well, I'm so glad you're joining us because it's a new age. When I say it's a new age, we're on this side of the pandemic. There's still different things going on with COVID, but more importantly, when the pandemic hit, a lot of kids went through a, a major struggle. They went through the struggle of being isolated. They had to learn virtually. A lot of them were hearing all kinds of mixed messages on social media. And let's just put it quite simply. They had an information overload, and they, that caused a lot of stress. Can you, can you talk about a little bit about how parents can understand what the kids are going through now based upon what they had gone through over the last couple of years? Well, uh, great topic here and great question. Thanks for having me once again. One of the things that uh, COVID has done is uh, it has changed the way our kids, you know, behave. They go to school uh, and also, you know, the child's mental health, uh, you know, we're seeing more cases. So it's very important that as a parent, we kind of listen to the child. We sit down with the kid and understand what's going on. And, and try to participate and try to understand, you know, the child's behavior, their feelings mm-hmm. and emotions. And, and this new era after COVID, you know, things are a little different. So it's important that we pay attention to these uh, issues. Exactly, because some of them have taken it to the extreme. Um, it's a shocking uh, survey, but there are a lot of youth who actually either attempted suicide or were successful. It's a youth mental health crisis, and it's kind of like an underlying story that a lot of people either know about, but quite a few don't know how to handle. They don't know what to say. If you are talking to the parents, and there are a lot of them who are listening, what are some of the tips you might give them on how they should have conversations with their kids? Well, the mental health is as important uh, as the physical development yes. and growth. Yes, and. You know, it's, it's, it's important that we start discussing this early in child's life. So uh, I, I know COVID pandemic was a source of stress for many, and we saw an increase in especially the adolescents' uh, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And again, if we don't treat that or don't diagnose this, then it carry into the adulthood. And CDC data is out there. 
on the children's mental health that shows that, you know, diagnosis of ADD, anxiety, depression, and other mental disorders become increasingly prevalent with the age. So, and, and, and six to 11, that's the age, uh, you know, we see higher issues uh, before, like than the younger or elder child. Is that right? So as a is, parent, is, can you slow down right here? Cause that, that's very important. A lot of people may assume it's with teenagers, but you're saying between the ages of six and 11 is, is there's a lot of uh, stress and anxiety. That's right, six and 11. And, and that's why it's important to understand their behavioral problems. And the best way a parent can do that is, you know, again, listen to your child, mm-hmm. understand their emotions, sit down with them, because this mental health can be very daunting and confusing to kids. So it's important that, you know, the healthy practices uh, that we follow, we educate our children with is also, you know, as important. You know, I always tell my kids and I try to, try to tell a lot of parents, you you want to try to be the greater influence because they're influenced by so many things nowadays, especially with social media and access to, to things online. Can you talk about how important it is to actually allow your kids to talk to you, but more importantly, to let them know that everything online, you know, the bullying or even things that may not even be true and that might upset them, there's that they can talk about it with somebody that's older. And and I'm glad you're bringing that up, Chris, because one of the thing the the kid got confused easily. Yeah. So it's important that as a parent we control the information going to the kids. Mm-hmm. And 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 so it's important that we sit down with them. You know, we listen to them. If they're having any anxiety or fear or even anger, it's okay to have those emotions, and they can talk about their emotions with the parents and us. So it's it's also important that we pay attention to how the child is behaving when they come home from school. So if they're excessively worrying or if they're very nervous or anxious, mm-hmm. if their school grades are affected, if their sleeping and eating habits are poor, if their behavior, you're seeing swings, you know, volatile behavior, I call it, or very irritable mood. And, and those things are important, especially also if they have trouble communicating. And uh, those are the symptoms and signs you see where you actually want to see the professional and get the counsel. And, and, you- and I also always encourage the parents to, mm-hmm. to have the routines. So it's important, you know, while you're managing their social media exposure is to also develop the routines uh, in their, in their you know, behavior in their, in their day. So after so sports, the hobbies, they're great. It helped them with the stress, you know, but also it's important that they come home and they don't stay, you know, over. They, they go at a certain time and have a good night's sleep. It's as important. You know what? I think you brought up something very important. Kids need structure in their life. They need to know the boundaries because a lot of kids, they will try to test the boundaries, but also kids just need the comfort of boundaries. Like you said, going to bed at a certain time every night knowing that that's what time to go to bed or, or knowing this is the time to study for your homework or and it's, it's structure. Can you, can you talk about the importance of structure, something that they can count on? Well, it's important to have a structure because, you know, as the kids are growing, they, they learn, they listen from others and mm-hmm. the environment. So giving them the routines uh, kind of help them, you know, manage their, their schedule better. 
uh, manage their stress better. And, and, and they learn and grab this quickly from parents. And then at the same time, you know, if, if the kids are sleeping well, they're eating well, and they're getting these wellness visits on time, you know, proper mental health screening and assessments on time, it's, it's, it's going to get them, you know, do, let them do better in the, in the school. Mm-hmm. Their grades will reflect it. And the kids will be overall happier. They'll participate in sports. And, 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 and overall, you know, it just uh, win-win for both parent and the kid. And the child's upbringing, you know, and, and those age group we mentioned earlier, it's important, especially post-COVID era, that, that we pay, you know, attention to our child. And again, I cannot emphasize this enough. We got to sit down and spend time with the kid, listen to them, learn their emotions. And, and there's no other way to do that. Yeah, you actually have to spend time with them. You cannot just let them watch a tablet and watch the TV shows and, and, and let the TV shows raise them. Or you can also not let just the teachers raise them. Teachers are, are there to teach, not necessarily to, to raise the children. They have influence, but they're there to try to help the children learn. Um, how important is it to have a relationship with the teachers and the educators? Well, that's, a, again, an excellent question, because many times, uh, you know, our kids, uh, when they come home, they behave uh, differently. And, and, and the teachers, you know, they spend majority of the time with the children, with, with, with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so when the kids are in the school and, and they also know they're, you know, if they're asking questions, if the kid is sitting in a corner versus interacting with other kids. You know, if uh, their grades in the school, uh, you know, suddenly the grades were doing great, but now it's performing poorly and and the kids seem withdrawn or not talking to other kids or so the, and if uh, excessively irritable, other symptoms, you know, the, the, the teacher will know them right away. So it's important to have that, you know, the channel of communication with the teachers. So we got an understanding, you know, how the kids are doing, not just at home, but also in the school environment. That's These are both different environments, yeah. so the kids will have different, uh, you know, behavior at both locations. That's right, and that's what's always surprising to some parents. They're like, "Well, that's not how she's at home," or "That's not how he behaves at home," and they're always surprised. So it's it's great to have a great relationship with the educators, so you can match it all up and you can work together to help the help the children, you know, learn better and also have, you know, like you said, some peace, some some uh, mental wellness. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Dr. Patel, Dr. Hiram Patel, the chief medical officer with United Healthcare. Like I said, school is back and kids are, are dealing with the different things. And, you know, it used to be when we were growing up, uh, parents wanted to keep up with the kids' friends. Who are the kids' friends and who are the ones that they're interacting with and, you know, maybe having influence on that level, peer to peer? Can you talk about the addition of, having to keep an eye on social media or what they, what they're watching online or the other influences. In other words, not just the kids that they're, that are their age or the, that they physically see, but the other ways that they interact. Can you, can you talk about not, or talk about how they have to be aware if the kids are on TikTok and stuff like that? Well, again, uh, it's hard to control the information uh, that's out there mm-hmm. on social media. And, you know, the kids, uh, they will grasp it quickly. 
And as long as, so it's important to have the parental control because we don't know what they're watching out there. Right. And we can't be out there if they have unlimited access to social media. And, and, and sometimes the information or misinformation they see, they learn from it, and they don't know what's right and wrong. Right. So as a parent, it's important that, you know, we manage the exposure of our kids on social media. And and they're, they're, I'm not saying it's all bad out there. Right, right. I'm saying but the sum of everything. Yeah, that's that's right. So for kids to kids won't know what is wrong and what is right. And as a parent, it's our job to make sure that they understand, you know, what is wrong and what is right for themselves and for their life. So it's that's why I say that there is more emphasis on outdoor sports and school games and mm-hmm. anyone you can spend time with your kids playing the card games or you know whatever game they like to play with in your backyard or out in the, you know, the, out in the playground. So, so social media, in my opinion, and the kids exposure is very critical. And, and we won't know if that's affecting their mental health and well-being. How much should the parents keep up with the kids who are gamers, the ones who do uh, video games, the ones who use esports? Because esports is a lot of fun. And, you know, there's actually uh, scholarships involved nowadays and, once they grow up, they may be able to earn money and earn a living with esports. But so, but sometimes, you know, because they're interacting with you know people all over the world, and you know, also you can't let that dominate uh, their lives over education. Can you talk about balancing the esports with the kids, especially the under the age of a ten or eleven? Well, there is a guidance out there from American Academy of Pediatrics. Mm-hmm that no more than 60 minutes on school days and, you know, maybe an hour or two during the weekend or holidays. Uh, this is for the kids who are six and older. So six and under it's 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And again, the content is important to, you know, because some of the games have graphic violence or some sexual content. So we need to avoid those games. And the number one thing is you just, you've got to be a part of your kids' lives. I know there's a lot of, you know, parents, especially ones with younger kids, they may be working a couple of jobs in this gig economy. Can you talk about how parents should make sure that they balance their own lives so that they can spend quality time with their children's lives? Well, <laughs> that is, uh, that is uh, you know, we can overemphasize the, the balancing work and, and, you know, the home life. Mm-hmm. So work-life balance. And you know, the, it's demanding out there, right, for yeah. any job the parents are doing or any business they are with. So it's important that, you know, the parents also follow the routines and, you know, certain time is designated for their kids. And they do that, you know, on a consistent basis and don't bring the work at home when they're with their child. And so use of cell phones while you're spending time with your child or mm-hmm. use of uh, social media by the parent when they're spending time with the child. Again, your kids are watching you. They're learning from you. So I think it's important to have those good habits as a parent and then have an active engagement, uh, you know, listening and those skills with the kid and then playing with the kid. And at the same time, sitting down with the child, you know, from time to time and understand their emotions and feelings and, and what they've done in the school. And, and is there, you know, anything else you can support your kids with? You know, in those old movies or some of those old TV shows, the, the families would sit down at the dinner table or breakfast table and they would talk about what's going on in their lives. 
I think in the 21st century, some of those days are gone. It's, it's not for everybody. And maybe it happens once a week on maybe a Sunday, or maybe it happens when they're off to school or everybody's grabbing something through the drive-thru. Can you talk about how you have to find the times to spend with your kids and ask them what's going on? I know me personally, I spend a lot of time with my kids actually driving them to their activities and asking them what's going on, whether it's coming home from school, going, taking them to school, taking them to different activities that they were going to, or even if it was a family outing, I spent, instead of having the radio on, I would talk to the kids. Can you talk about how important that is and, and maybe some places that I didn't mention where they might have a chance to, to visit with the kids and casually talk about what's going on with them? Well, I mean, you mentioned watching movies and, you know, supporting the kids that way. Mm-hmm. If the kids are, you know, especially school-aged, uh, it's important, you know, sometimes doing this together and appropriate shows, they, they can learn this early literacy skills. It also boosts their empathy. Again, depends on the content. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this helps, uh, you know, the manage their aggression and behavior. And this happens silently. So as a parent, again... The content is very important when you when you're doing the you know when you're selecting a show or a movie with your child. Have you a story that you might want to share, where um, you know maybe uh, some parents went through some trying times, but there was some success on the other end after they visited with a professional? Well, I had to get that question again. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was I was asking if there was a. A story you might be able to share where someone was, some parents maybe were noticing that their child's behavior was a little bit different. They seemed a little stressed or they, they weren't, their grades had started failing and they actually sat down to talk to a professional and, and maybe where they could go if they wanted to talk to a professional. Well, again, the symptoms I mentioned earlier, you know, the aggressive behavior, mood swings, grade changes. Mm-hmm. So the first thing to do is to to find the pediatrician or a counselor and understand, you know, what's going on. Especially, uh, it's important to find the healthcare professional who are, you know, experts in the field. There's a lot of information. Uh, if you don't know what to do, is to visit the United Healthcare website, like uhc.com. And you can learn about, you know, the preventative care, the child wellness visits, mm-hmm. uh, which include the mental health screening, by the way. And not just that, they also will do the assessment for the child's growth, the development, go over the vaccinations, the sport physicals, you know, those paperwork. Mm-hmm. They can take care of that while you're sitting down with your with your physicians. And again, it's an opportunity uh, to have that mental health screening if you're concerned. So I think it's it's. Yeah, again, a lot of information on United Healthcare website, but it's again important if your child is struggling, is to is to take time and take it to the professionals. Exactly. Don't try to do it alone, and you're not alone. Again, Dr. Hiram Patel, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare. I just thought of something. I know whenever I'm physically trying to figure something out, let's say I'm trying to uh, change a garbage disposal or do something, uh, change a lock in the house. I usually wind up going on YouTube to find out some things. Is that another good resource where, you know, you might be able to hear some some speakers or someone who, you know, as you prepare to meet with a professional face-to-face, is YouTube or, or one of those, um, if you Google up some information and they might have a video available? Well, 
Well, uh, the, the problem again with uh, the content out there, which are, are not managed is the first question you ask is how reliable is the content? That's true. Because in medical world, it's important that we follow the evidence. You know, is it proven by research trials? And, and so if you want a reliable information, if you want, you know, the quality physicians, if you want the rating, it's important to go to the location where the information is vetted. And, and, and those things are out there on the websites for the health plan. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, you can get those information also through your provider, which you can trust and have a meeting with them on one-on-one versus relying on YouTube videos. You know so I would what? say it's important. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What I was saying is, I was. So it's important that the source of information is uh, also verified, because YouTube has everything. Yeah. And you don't know who to trust and which video is uh, giving the proper information. You should follow it. This is excellent advice because, in all seriousness, we're talking about kids as opposed to you know uh, an object in the home, you know, or, or something you need to fix with instructions that they come with in a manual. And it's, it's best to reach out to somebody in person because the the video may not match what your child is actually going through. And only a professional firsthand in person can actually provide accurate information. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, it's an extensive training, you know, whether you see a nurse at the school or mm-hmm. a social worker or a counselor or a physician. And, and they know exactly the signs and symptoms and they guide you to the right channels. See, this is exactly why we're talking because you've just provided some excellent information. Because like I said, I'm like a lot of people. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can go online to fix it. Not with kids. You know, you might find a TED Talk for an adult that needs some inspiration in the in the corporate world. Or you might, you know, like I said, you want to, uh, you know, fix a, a desk at your, you know, you find out a product you want to use. That's completely different than children and their mental health. And that's why this is so important that we're visiting with you especially because youth mental health is a crisis right now, especially coming out of this pandemic. Dr. Patel, is there any other information you want to provide for anybody before we let you go? Well, I would like to emphasize, uh, you know, if, if you're a busy schedule and if you have an established physician visits, sometimes you can also get this information to have virtual visits. Mm-hmm. Where you can that's have true. a TV screen shared, right? You can have a TV screen shared, right? Uh, that's better than YouTube. And, have a Zoom, do a do a Teams, yes, exactly. And you can have your provider on the other side, and you can ask those questions, and and now you are right at the information there where you can trust. And again, use the technology in a way that the information is reliable. Ironically, that's one of the pivots. They call it the pivot. You know, when the pandemic hit. You know, people started working at home. Uh, kids were learning virtually. Well, guess what? You may have access to a healthcare provider or a, a mental wellness uh, specialist that, because you can't necessarily go to the office, they can come to you via your computers, by, via your, your, your tablets. I love it. I love it. It's called taking care of business. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you again, Chris, for having me. Our next guest is Ayla Culver. She's with InSync Exotics, a nonprofit dedicated to caring for rescued exotic feline animals in North Texas. Are we talking about exotic cats?
We are. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Oh, let me tell you something. Ayla, I'm so glad you're on because about a month ago, it's like the Tiger King all over again. Somebody had an exotic tiger in their home in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I don't yeah. know if you heard this story, but can you tell us? <laughs> I, I figured you guys were involved in it some kind of way. Tell us about what you know about that story and how you just don't really want to have that in, around the house unless you're an expert. Right. Um, so I have limited information, but what I do know is that um, the uh, police were called. There, there was an investigation of um, some possible animal cruelty Um including like dog fighting and cockfighting in somebody's like backyard. Mm -hmm. And um, so when they got there to do the investigation and when people like the authorities showed up, um, they were very surprised to find a tiger in a cage in the backyard. Um, and so we did, uh, we were contacted by several local uh, news authorities. Um, I don't have any updated information as far as like where the tiger is um, I'm sure it was taken to a, um, a, a an accredited sanctuary, mm -hmm. um, but we have we have gotten cats um, from from issues like this. In fact, not that terribly long ago, uh, just a couple of years ago, we got a cougar who um, who was in a in a similar situation in somebody's backyard um, in Dallas, and um, you know. Uh, luckily he's, he's fine now, but when we found him, um, he didn't have, um, really any water to speak of. There was wow. like a little bit of like dog kibble in the, in the crate with him, which, um, spoiler alert, dog kibble is not what they eat. Um, and he was in like this tiny little two by three foot metal crate. And, um, he was so hungry that we didn't know it at the time, but he had eaten, rubber matting out of that crate. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. And that, that caused some real problems. Um, after we rescued him, he was doing great. And then all of a sudden he stopped eating and we couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, so, you know, luckily we have, um, onsite vet clinic and, um, had a, an experienced veterinarian took him in for some, uh, for some x-rays and the vet immediately saw what was wrong, rushed him into emergency surgery and removed over a pound of rubber matting and just other stuff. Oh that, my that goodness. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if our vet wouldn't have caught that when he did like Tallulah would, wouldn't be with us. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's it's kind of the the wild wild west a little bit. Um, a lot of people in Texas, uh, well, and and a lot of states, honestly, but um, you know, are like, well, you know, nobody's going to tell me what I can or can't do, or mm -hmm. you know, what quote unquote pet uh, I can or can't have. These guys are not pets; they are wild animals. They do not belong in captivity. They are not suited for this life. Like they belong out in the wild. Um, but unfortunately, you know, people think it's cool to breed them, to buy them, to sell them, to have them in their backyard. They think it makes them cool. Um, it doesn't. It just means that, you know, you, <laughs> you are sadly lacking in other areas. And, uh, yeah. and if you if you feel like you need this to be cool, um, clearly you are focused on yourself and not the health and well-being of of the animal, which is what has to come first and foremost, um, 
know, when you're when you're dealing with these guys. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's so amazing. I think sometimes people, again, there's there's some people would look at it as a status symbol, but there's also mm-hmm. some people that see them when they're young and think, oh, they're so cute, but they grow mm-hmm. up. They do. <laughs> and they are yeah. not, they're not cats like house cats. They're, you, they, they're, they're more expensive to keep and you have to feed mm-hmm. them. And you re- you've got, they, they're used to being out in the wild, even if it's in mm-hmm. West Texas somewhere. <laughs> yeah. These, these guys are, um, and, and you know, yeah, they're absolutely adorable when they're, when they're young and they're mm-hmm. still cute when they, when they grow up. But, um, you know, so I, I can understand why people's like, oh, they're so cute. But, but also like, think about, yeah, they do grow up. And even when they are small, like, okay, so think about your, your average, like house cat that you've got in your house, right? If that cat gets scared or startled or, you know, upset for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and you end up bearing the brunt of that. Okay. Think about the damage that that does now multiply that because even, you know, bobcats that are, that are native mm-hmm. to North America, um, and are not terribly much bigger than your, your average domestic house cat, like they still will pack way more of a punch um than than just your house cat and and you know what kind of damage your house cat can do oh yeah um so um so one from just a a human safety standpoint you know there's that and people people kind of assume that well if i if i get this this cat when they're small and if i train it well then it won't ever bite or scratch me or it won't destroy my furniture or it won't pee on the sofa or Mm -hmm. you know whatever um and even like if a cat isn't meaning to do harm, like the fact of the matter is they still have like for tigers, their claws are right. several inches long. Their teeth are several inches long, even if they're just playing, um, you know, mm-hmm. they can do a lot of damage. And they're so strong. Yeah, they are so much stronger than than humans are. So so even for the ones that, you know, are quote unquote trained and and are used to human interaction, that definitely does not eliminate any sort of risk. Their instincts are intact. Like it's coded in their DNA. They that prey response. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's, it's not even a, let me think about this. It's... It, it doesn't even cross that part of the brain. It's it's just an instinctual response. So yeah, it's for so many reasons. It's just, it's not a good idea to to try and have any of these as pets. Um, and, you know, that doesn't even speak to the, the fact of the matter that, you know, a lot of these animals have such a terrible life. You know, they're not suited to being in, in small enclosures. And no. They're not suited to, to, you know, being inside and, they are obligate carnivores, which means they have to eat meat. Um, and it needs to, like, they have very specific nutritional requirements that are not going to be met by just opening a can of cat food or dog food and, or like throwing some, you know, some, some chicken thighs that you bought at Walmart. Right. In fact, <laughs> you're going right down the path I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you, <laughs> yeah. what do they eat? Cause again, they don't eat cat food. Right. Right. Um, so our, how many they, pounds? They <laughs> um, well, that's kind of a, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have cats all the way from the size of like bobcats and servals, which are much, much smaller. So they'll eat maybe a quarter, half pound uh, a day. And then we've got tigers and lions um, that are eating, you know, that could eat up to 10 pounds a day. So it just kind of depends on the individual species, their particular appetite and metabolism. Um, but they are all obligate carnivores, so they eat red meat. Um, some of our smaller cats, like the bobcats and servals um, and lynx, will get more um, chicken mm-hmm. and more poultry because that more closely uh, matches what they would naturally be hunting and eating out in the wild. Um, but all of our cats have very specific diets. Um, there's an entire board in our commissary that lists out how much you know how much of exactly what type of of meat each cat gets every day if they get any medications if they get any supplements Um, some of our older cats are on supplements for their joints or kidney issues Um, some of our cats may need uh, some support with vitamins and minerals so all of our cats like no two cats diets are are exactly the same Um, and um hats off to our to our commissary volunteers because um you know this is this is a thing that that happens like you know every day um and they have to make sure that they get it right with who gets who gets what and um it's it's a big job and it's often a thankless job but it's so incredibly important and so are you guys we're talking with Aaliyah culver of the nsync exotics you guys have a nonprofit been around for a while since the 1990s and you're dedicated, of course, to caring for rescued exotic feline animals. My yeah. question, you mentioned the variety that, that are over there that you guys are taking mm-hmm. care of. How many do you have right now as we speak? So right now we have 74 cats. And, wow. Right? <laughs> I thought you were going to um, say like 20. Oh, no, my goodness. We have, we have a lot. We have 32 tigers. Wow. Um, we have a couple of ligers, which are um, created when uh, through artificial breeding practices. Mm-hmm. Um, you put a lion and a tiger in together, and um, who knew? It's kind of like a labradoodle. Right. 
we have lions, we have cougars, which are native to North America. Uh, mm-hmm. We have leopards, we have a cheetah, we have a Canada lynx, which are native to more North America. Um, so much, much further North sure. than we are. Uh, bobcats, which are native all over North America. Um, we have four servals. We have a savanna cat, which is a hybrid when you cross a serval with a domestic cat. Um, their coat patterns are beautiful. Um, people really, they're highly sought after, just like Bengals. Um, same mm-hmm. thing. They're, they're another um, wildcat domestic cross. Um, but just like with a lot of the issues that you get with, you know, crossing a wild species and a domestic species, they've got one paw in the wild world and one paw in the domestic world. And, um, I'm not saying that it's, that it can't work. I'm just saying that it more times than not, it ends up, yeah. uh, it, it ends up not being great. Um, are they separated? Anyway, are they separated? Yeah. Well, we have, we have some cats that are, that are, uh, you know, roommates, um, mm-hmm. and, and share, share space, um, either cats who have been rescued together mm-hmm. or cats that we have um, been able to introduce to one another through a very long and calculated, um, and highly supervised process. Um, so we have, uh, for instance, the Jedi boys, a uh, group of three male tigers, um, none of them are blood related, uh, at least not that we know of. They mm-hmm. were all three very separate rescues. Um, one of them, Kylo Ren, was actually born at InSync Exotics um, shortly after we rescued his parents um, from West Texas. And we did not know that his mom was pregnant with him when we rescued her. So um, that was a bit of a surprise. I but... bet. I bet. You got two. <laughs> right. Um, but so Kylo Ren was born there. And then not too long after there was a tiger cub who was uh, found uh, crossing or being brought across the border from Mexico. He was being smuggled in in a duffel bag. Wow. And Border Patrol agents went over to investigate the duffel bag. And I'm sure that a tiger cub was probably the last thing that they expected. Oh, to yeah. Find oh, yeah. When they did that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was Kenobi and then Anakin came from another facility, um, up in Amarillo who couldn't care for him. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to kind of slowly introduce, um, first was Kenobi into, uh, to Kylo Ren's life. And, um, I gotta say at first Kylo Ren was not impressed with this whole, like, what do you mean? I have a new sibling and I'm not the only child anymore. Um, <laughs> but he warmed up to Kenobi. Kenobi is an absolute sweetheart. And, oh, um, good. and then they started getting along great. Um, and then when Anakin came along a little bit later, um, we were able to introduce him. No problem. And those three are just, they're, they're fantastic. If you ever have a chance to come out and, and see them, uh, highly recommend it. They have, um, a millennium shaped a millennium falcon shaped pool because what else would you put <laughs> in for a pool for them um <laughs> and they play tag they nap they swim in the pool um and it doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees or if it's like 20 degrees um wow they will they <laughs> yeah the the big ice storm like mm-hmm. they were they were out having a pool party you are kidding they were slipping and sliding <laughs> and having fun 
They were. They were. <laughs> that is amazing. And I'm, I'm, I will. I promise you, I'm going to come out at some point. I will yeah. schedule it with you because it, this is just so exciting to me that you have a rescue situation where you take care of these these lions and tigers and jaguars and cheetahs and and I just want to know um when you what's what's the most surprising cat that you rescued or that was brought to you when you say a surprise it's like okay you mentioned the surprise at the border when they opened up yeah. that duffel bag and there was a little tiger in there what was the yeah. when you like you had, oh my goodness I can't believe we have this particular cat Wow, that is a good question. Um, there have been so many memorable rescue stories over over the time there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've only been there since you know 2010, and I've only seen... girl that is 13 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> well, you know, when it, time when flies. You know, like when you look at the fact that you know we're over 20 years old um, yeah. as a as a sanctuary, but. Um, I'd say probably that one of the most remarkable stories is um, a group of a group of three, three lions that were brought in. Um, They were confiscated from a pretty infamous um, exhibitor and used for entertainment purposes. Things like, you know, come get your picture taken with a tiger cub, which is a whole nother can of worms uh, that I want to get into in a minute. But um, I'll remind you. Go ahead. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um, so they were brought in. They were, you know, confiscated from this this particular exhibitor, and who we had gotten cats from before, and have gotten cats from since. But um, these three, it was it was two males and a female, um, white lions, and oh wow, the males were in terrible shape. The female, the um. We we received an apology for from the from the inspector the USDA inspector for bringing us cats in such bad shape. Sheila, the female, was in such bad shape that she could not lift her head to drink water. She could not lift her head out of her own vomit. She oh, no. was on death's doorstep, and the plan was, you know, I think you know they everybody thought she was too far gone. And didn't think that that she could be saved. Um, Vicky, our our owner and founder, said, "Give me a shot. Mm-hmm. If you know, if she's this far gone, what's it going to hurt to try?" And we still have Sheila. She is still nice. like to Vicky's testament. She sat there. She hand fed her, you know, meatballs. She you know shoved them down her throat. She, um, you know, she she gave her water with a syringe she um you know oh, in and out like every day all day every day she was caring for Sheila she was right by her side um and through you know Vicky and our staff and our and our veterinary team um were able to to figure out some of the issues that were causing Sheila to be so bad we're able to address some of those and then you know obviously getting her proper nutrition and um yeah we still have her today she is big she is beautiful she has the most enviable eyelashes of anyone i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> those lashes <laughs> yes um so she is she is amazing and a testament to um 
not only what what love and you know proper care will do but also the determination and the grit mm-hmm. of just you know what let me try never giving and, up and we can yeah. we can do this we can do this yeah. yeah and and that's kind of one of the things that Instinct Exotics has become known for is taking in cats who either other sanctuaries won't take or can't take mm-hmm. um you know with with medical issues that are that have been severely abused and neglected um you know, we we don't turn those cases down just because they're tough. And and I'm not, you know, trying to throw shade on on any other legitimate sanctuaries who, you know, right. don't have the the ability to do it. But right. we're incredibly fortunate that, you know, we do have an on-site vet clinic. We do have veterinary staff um there. We do have, you know, the ability to do a lot of things thanks to our incredibly generous donors. Um I mean, we're, we're completely nonprofit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this wouldn't be possible without, without our amazing, amazing donors. And um, yeah, we are just so grateful every day to be able to do what we do. Well, let me tell you something. I haven't forgotten about the taking pictures with exotics. So tell me, (laughs) tell me where you were going to go with that, because I can't wait to hear it. And the reason I'm thinking this is because I've heard stories of people foolishly wanting to take a selfie sometimes with exotics. (laughs) Yeah. um, So luckily, this seems to be hopefully falling out of practice, but there's still a lot of places where this exists, where you can go to a county fair or a state fair or some special event. And it's, um, you know, pay X number of dollars to have your picture taken with a tiger cub or pay X number of more dollars to feed a tiger cub a bottle or to mm-hmm. um, swim with one or um, there's there's even um, facilities that do this. Um, these are not legitimate sanctuaries. These are definitely for profit and not uh, their their interest is on making money, not the welfare of the animals. But um, so people think that, oh, like and then a lot of the advertising will say, you know, you're your money to do this goes for conservation efforts. Um, it doesn't. No. Um, feeding a, a tiger cub um, doesn't do anything for their cousins out in the wild. It doesn't help protect, protect habitat. doesn't help protect them from poaching. It doesn't help, you know, any of these things. Um, but people who I believe genuinely want to do good um, think, well, oh, this would be a cool opportunity and it's for conservation. It's for a good cause. So let me go do this. Well, the... <laughs> The fact of the matter is, which, you know, Tiger King kind of shed light on a little yeah, bit, is yeah. that a lot of these cubs are ripped from their mothers at hours to days old. They're hand raised. They are um, they are fed food that is, they're fed a, a bottle for far too long and they are purposefully malnourished to keep them small and weaker. Mm-hmm. And then once they um, size and age out of the ability to legally be able to um, interact with the public again, then they are either sold to the highest bidder, they are um, put back into essentially like a like a breeding mill to produce more cubs, um, or they're simply euthanized. And it's a terrible life for these animals. Yeah. Um, 
you know, even if somebody's like, oh, well, look, they, they want to interact with humans. No, they don't. Oh, they, they really don't. They really don't. Um, and there was a few years ago, there was a, a big, huge news story about this facility um, located in um, in the east. I forget exactly which which country right now. I think maybe Thailand, mm-hmm. um, where they had a big, huge tiger um a tiger population sanctuary. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sanctuary, they had yeah. A, a, a san- a, it was called a sanctuary and people would get to go and, you know, spend time with these tigers and, and, you know, monks took care of them and it was supposed to be like this amazing thing. And it was found out that the tigers were being sedated. Oh, they, wow. Yeah. They were being medicated. So right. they, they would, so they would not attack out. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's you know when you go against their wild nature, nothing good comes of it for them, mm-hmm. for us, um, and and that's just when it comes down to it, that's really what what it is. Is you go against the wild nature, and it's it's not going to end well for anyone. Ayla, you you mentioned the Tiger King, and again mm-hmm. that came out during the pandemic, and it got mm-hmm. everyone's attention. And mm-hmm. some of the stuff that was going on in this true life documentary. You you had a clue, not about that necessarily that particular location up there in Oklahoma, but because you guys rescue so many exotic cats, you have seen it and heard it all. How did did you did you ever see any of the episodes of it and how did it impact what you did later? And what were your thoughts on it? It was it was something that we have known about, not just that individual, but so many of the individuals, um, the legitimate sanctuary world and the exotic animal world are pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of everybody knows what's going on. Um, and when it came out, it was, it was one of those things that there, there were a lot of different reactions. Some people were like, I can't watch that. Some people were like, okay, no, I, I really want to see what it is that they're covering and how how the story is being presented Mm -hmm. um i tried to make it through because i wanted to see how they were presenting the story Mm -hmm. um i only made it a few episodes um and i and i couldn't watch anymore yeah because the the episode where he literally uses like one of those little like grabber things on a pole Mm -hmm. um and and like a snake hook or something to pull this like brand new baby cub who is you know screaming and just wants food from mom he used that you know he used those tools to pull pull that tiger cub through a chain link fence and then takes it and he's like oh you know we're gonna we're gonna love you and raise you and and like I just couldn't, I couldn't watch it more after that. Yeah. It broke my heart because that's not the only baby that's, that's ever been treated that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many, so, so many. And um, uh, I will say the one thing, the one good thing that that did was it got people talking and it kind of opened a lot of people's eyes about, you know, a lot of the things that, that obviously, you know, us in the sanctuary world, we've known about forever. Right. But the general public is. They had no idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of our, you know, in addition to rescue, our, our secondary mission is also education, Mm -hmm. but we can, we can only reach an audience of so many. So when that thing hit Netflix and, you know, everybody was home with the pandemic and watching it, 
um, it started a lot of conversations. It really did. And did it clean up any of it? Because I know it's still ongoing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have yeah. so many cats to, to that you rescue. But did it did it have any kind of a dent? Did it did it cause more than just the conversation? I think it did. I think it did. Um, it's it's a slow process to clean up. It's it's a real real long and and hard journey to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. He's he's in jail. Yes, um, he is down here in North Texas. Yes, yeah. Um, and there's been a couple of other people that were in that documentary that have also been convicted, had their animals confiscated. Um, so, you know, it it is it is doing some good. It's just <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, not fast enough for for those of us who are just concerned about the welfare of of the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is legislation um, that is waiting to be signed into law called the Big Cat Public Safety Act that would make it illegal on a federal level for the public to interact with these cats. So things like cub petting would go away. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make it illegal for private owners to breed or buy or sell or uh, trade these cats, which currently is not illegal on a federal level. Um, it's it's currently legal in Texas. Um, there's there's certain ordinances by city and by county where it may not be legal, but mm-hmm. Texas as a whole, um, it's it's legal to own these cats to breed them, to buy them, to sell them. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous honestly, yeah. when you think about it. Um, are, are you surprised how many cats get rescued in large cities like Dallas or Houston or San Antonio in the city limits? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I yeah. saw an episode of, of a show. It's been a while back, but like somebody had a tiger in an apartment in like Manhattan. An apartment? Yeah, like a high-rise oh apartment. The, the firefighters got called for, for a, a fire call, and they look in the window, and there's this tiger staring back at them. They're like, oh, well, what do we do with this? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But then again, I guess, you know, it's people, no matter where they live, people are going to believe that they can, you know, believe what they want to believe and believe that they can do what they want to do. Right. Um and that, yeah, of, of what the law says. I know exactly what you're saying. And we're talking again with uh, Alea uh, Culver with NSYNC Exotics and NSYNC Exotics. You guys, the nonprofit that rescues, takes care of uh, rescued exotic feline animals. And this was you mentioned this a little bit earlier. And I wanted you to elaborate a little bit, because if it weren't for Vicky, can you tell mm-hmm. Vicky's story, how she she started this entire organization back in 1991 when she wound up with a cougar. Yes. <laughs> um, so because it's not illegal to have these these cats. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was currently working at, or at, the, at the time, she was working as a vet tech with a local uh, veterinary office. Someone brought in a cougar who was their quote-unquote pet um, for some treatment and um, and they you know, they performed the, the treatment on this cougar and then called the owner saying, okay, you know, I was ready and nobody ever showed up. So the vet's office now has a cougar that no one is claiming. Oh boy. 
And it's not like, you know, your local vet's office where you see these pictures of like, you know, here's here's cats available for adoption. Like you can't just you can't just put a cougar up available for adoption yeah. in a vet's office. Yeah. Um, even though it's legal, there are a lot of rules and regulations and hoops to jump through and red tape and, and all these kind of things to make sure that the people who have these animals are, you know, taking care of them. So so the options were few. And back then there weren't. I don't believe that there were any sanctuaries around. Um, and so Vicki just felt, you know, she was like, well, I, I can't just let this cat die. So she figured out what it was going to take for her to be able to bring the cat home. Mm-hmm. So she she went through all of the, the paperwork and all of the certifications and all of everything. She built an enclosure. She um, secured secured appropriate food sources. She you know did all of the things, and 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 she she brought the cougar home um, and started caring for for the cougar herself. And um, not too too terribly long later, there was another cougar who needed a home, mm-hmm. and um, she was contacted um, to. And to see if you know, hey, would you you're you're taking such great care of of this one? Would you be open to taking care of another one? And so you know that was Tahoe and Ranger, and um, you know then not like you know a little while later, uh, Kenya, a, a tiny little tiger cub, she she um, had an interaction with Kenya's breeder, and and who's the breeder said. Oh, this little tiger cub is so ugly. Nobody's going to want to buy her. Probably just going to have to euthanize her. So, Vicky rescued Kenya. I was um, about to say so Vicky that. to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and and you know here we are, uh, over twenty years as as an official five hundred one c three later, um, and you know hundreds of cats that we have either rescued and cared for for their entire lives at our sanctuary or have helped transport from where they where they were to other legitimate sanctuaries Mm -hmm. that could care for them so um we're definitely very much involved in in the rescue network as well so if we don't have space to be able to house an animal then you know we can help with with transportation which as you might as you might imagine, is is pretty specialized um, and pretty pretty nuanced. There's a lot of I can imagine go into that. <laughs> so. I can imagine. So so my question, I guess, is since you house them, is this like their final home for a majority of them? In other words, this is why you have over seventy right now, or do they, are they mm-hmm. are or do you like you said sometimes when it comes to you know house pets like cats and dogs, they might you know adopt families and they've, mm-hmm. they've quizzed the families and they find them a home. So are mm-hmm. with the exotic cats is in sync, like their final destination. Yep. This, that, we are, we are, where that's they, amazing. They, they go for the rest of their lives. So when we, uh, when we rescue an animal, when we say yes, if a, if a private owner says, Hey, I can't take care of this animal anymore for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, when we say yes, that's yes to potentially over 20 years of, food, of vet care, of maintenance, of, you know, we're, we're saying yes to that animal for the rest of their lives. 
for okay, so however this is, long that may be. So this is where, and you're a nonprofit, this is where mm-hmm. the donors and the partners come in. How have you been able to tell me about some of the donors and the partners? Because I know as a nonprofit, that's not easy. And then to have a sanctuary that's a nonprofit, that's got to be triply difficult. Yeah, it's it's very, very hard. Um, our operating budget is somewhere around $1.3 million a year. Wow. And 20000 of that is just food every month mm-hmm. um, because, you know, because we're, we're feeding these guys quality, nutritious food that they that they would need. So it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we are completely run off of donations. We are open to the public on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, we have special events throughout the year. And we have adoption programs where you can symbolically adopt. We are not going to let you take a cat home. Right. <laughs> we can symbol- yeah. We can, uh, you can symbolically adopt a cat. Um, and people do that for, it makes great gifts. And like, you know, what do you get for, for the person who has everything? Well, a symbolic adoption of a tiger or a bobcat or mm-hmm. a cougar. Like, because who has that, right? Um, and we, uh, we're actually coming up on our biggest fundraising event of the year that's happening on September the 21st. It's called North Texas Giving Day. Right. It's, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's such a great event and it, it lets people, um, know about a lot of nonprofits that, that are, that exist in North Texas. And it's also our biggest fundraising events of the entire year. So this year, our goal is 200000 and that money will go for uh, not only, you know, food, veterinary care, maintenance, things like that, but um, some upgrades that are much needed in our, in our sanctuary. When it rains, um, we tend to have some drainage issues when we get a lot of rain. So that's been on our kind of wish list for a while, but other things have kind of taken precedent. So that's another thing that, um, you know, that, that we're, we're hoping for in that, that 200,000, uh, that's our goal. Thank you, Ayla. And thank you all for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.